um, I get nervous. I get scared because I know that everything that I say will be, I'll be held accountable for, and I don't want to make mistakes, and and I want to honor God. I just pray that every time I get up that you don't see me, that no one sees me, that what we do here when we teach, when we worship, when we preach, that people see Jesus. Amen? Because if we come here and we we don't experience the presence of the Lord, we've come here in vain. We, we've come here for no reason or no purpose. Our purpose is to honor and glorify Him, to spend time with Him. I pray that we don't leave here the same. You know, many times I pray that prayer, Lord, I pray that when we come here, that your presence is so powerful that we can't leave the same. Because that's what, that's what God does. The Bible says that it's the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives inside of each one of us if we've been born again. Amen. And that's a changing power. It's life-changing. Anytime we read God's Word, it should be life-changing. And the reason I chose um, the message today is because I believe that there's great parallels to the times that we're living today. And I hope to apply it for you to understand uh, that we are living in the, in the... Even though things that happened in history long ago, a lot of times history repeats itself. And it's so relevant to today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Daniel chapter 1. And just like we'll see in Daniel chapter 1 how King Nebuchadnezzar would come against Judah and lead people captive, the God's people, the children of Israel, he would leave them captive and, and bring them to a strange land, a land who didn't want anything to do with God, the temple, his word, his people, anything that reminded them of God. They were total anti-God in Babylon. And how he would lead them out and Daniel would have no choice to, but to go. There was a purpose and a plan in it. And God would bless this young man named Daniel for making an uncompromisable stand even in a land of exile. The title of today's message would be Uncompromised in a Time of Exile. And just like back years ago when this would take place in history, I believe there's... And I want to exaggerate and say it's the same thing, but I believe that we're living somewhat, at least in the United States of America, that we're living in a time of exile. A time where some 50 years ago, or maybe even farther back, where at least most of the culture in the United States of America embraced godly principles and values. At least where most people claim to be Christian and would practice Living in a way that would honor God, that's not the case as we see in modern history today. It's not so much that way anymore. And we're living in a time that just like the King Nebuchadnezzar say, we don't want your God anymore. We don't want, your God doesn't rule anymore. Let us tell you who you are. Don't. Don't listen to the Bible. Don't listen to your parents. Let us define you. The world define who you are and your purpose here. As you'll see, they try to do to Daniel and his friends. Now, before we get in, I'll read a couple of verses here. And then I want to kind of give you a little backstory so that you understand what's taking place in history. But in Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, it says, 
in the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim. Now, let me pause there for a second. I have about an eighth grade education, and then I went to homeschool and graduated early so I could go to work. And I'm grateful for that, wouldn't take it back. But I'm probably, in that, I'm probably not going to say things correct and pronounce some of the words, so y'all cut me a break. Amen? Some of these names I may not pronounce right, so you teachers, you'll cringe, but just give me a little bit of grace. Amen? In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he would carry into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Now, I'll give you a little bit of background of what's going on after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. After Moses would lead the children of Israel out of bondage. After they would find their way to the promised land. After 400 years of judges, God would raise up human kings in Israel. The first three kings Israel was united under, which would be Saul, David, and Solomon. But after that time period, there would be a civil war that would break out among Israel, among his people. There was a lot of things going on. There was idol worship. There was a lot of differences. And so they would divide into two kingdoms. One was the northern kingdom made up of ten tribes. One was the southern kingdom made up of two tribes. The northern kingdom would be conquered first by the Assyrians. And then years later, now we find ourselves in history here in Daniel chapter 1, where King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon, the great Nebuchadnezzar, would come and besiege Jerusalem and Judah. And he would eventually, over three invasions, conquer them. But this was the first invasion. And on the first invasion, he did not finish the job of conquering them. Because when he came upon the city, during that time period, when he was trying to starve the people out and conquer them, his father, who he co-reigned with back in Babylon, was to pass away. And so he had to end his war there and make his way back, travel back to Babylon. But he wouldn't go back alone. We see here in verse 1, he wants to make a statement as he travels back. And so it says that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, after he comes to Jerusalem and besieges it, and, and by the way, he had success here. Now, Babylon was a great uh, and powerful nation at that time. They had great armies. But it wasn't necessarily because of their might that they had success over the children of Israel. See, God allowed the children of Israel to be conquered because of their disobedience and sin. See, this was, this was God's judgment upon the nation of Israel and his people. See, the nation of Israel at this time, they were divided. Okay, they also, if you'll read, they had fallen many times to idol worship. It was primarily the reason why God handed them over to their enemies. See, I think that we in the United States of America 
are kind of have a lot of the similarities that were taking place in Israel here. See, now we may not necessarily say we've, we're openly worshiping false gods or graven images, but if you go and study these false gods that they had succumbed to, that they had worshipped, the children of Israel, they didn't totally forsake the God of Israel, the one true God. I mean, they actually said, we want to worship you. We want to give you honor and glory, but we want to worship these idols as well. See, we just want to mingle it all together. Many Christians do the same thing. We want to serve God, but we want to serve the world along with it. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You're going to be slave to one or the other. Now, this is what was taking place. And if you have sensitive ears, child, children here, you might want to close them. But if you go and study these gods or these idols, these idols that they succumbed to, basically they were serving money and sex. I heard one pastor say, aren't you glad that the idol worship or idolizing of money and sex ended with ancient Israel? (laughs) That's what we face here today in the United States of America. So you see how relevant this is to us today. And the sad thing is that this wasn't just the rest of the world living this way. We can kind of expect a non-believer or the lost to live that way. That's all they know. They're going to seek after the desires of the flesh, but God's people living this way. And so God allowed, he just took his hedge of protection off. He says, this is what you want. I've, I've given you grace. I've poured out my mercy upon you. I've, I'm, I've long suffered for you for hundreds of years, yet you continue to serve other gods before me. Scripture says, thou shalt have no other god before me. He says, you should worship your Lord, your God, and him alone. Not live and dine with others. So that's what they did. So God takes his hedge of protection off of them. And he allows them to be conquered. He allows them to be led into a land of exile. Now, when Nebuchadnezzar conquers or comes and besieges Israel or Judah, he wants to make a statement. So he takes back some of the articles from the treasures out of God's temple. And he takes them back and he puts them into his God's temple. And what he was basically saying is, your God has no power anymore. See, we have conquered and we have defeated him. He's not winning anymore, at least what it looks like on the outside. Our culture wants to say the same thing. We don't want your God of the Bible anymore. He's outdated. He's not winning anymore. We're the ones prospering because Babylon was prospering. And now God's people... From the outside, looks like they're on the losing side. Many times it's that way with us. It was a time of testing and trial. And it was only because of their disobedience. And I'm sad to say that Christians today are a lot the same way. I'm guilty myself. But in this, he makes this statement. He makes this bold statement. And not only that, when he goes back... King Nebuchadnezzar, he's a very brilliant man. He's strategic. And by the way, he's being led by the devil. This was all part of the devil's plan. And so he he wants to take some people back with him. 
want you to look at this. In verse 3, it says, Then the king, this is Nebuchadnezzar, instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles back with him. Now, he wants to bring some people back with him, back to Babylon. He's taken them out of the land where they were raised, at least, even though they were mingling with false idol worship, at least the culture still kind of embraced godly principles and morals. He wants to take them far from that. And one thing that I think is very strategic from him is he doesn't just take anyone. I want you to look and it says in verse 4, but he took the young men, so young men, young women here, I want you to really pay attention to this. This is the first ones that he goes after, the youth. Why? Because if you can control the youth, you control the future. So the devil, or this evil king, he wants to go after the young kids. Now, most Historians will say, if you study it, they were probably 13 to 16 years old. He wants to rip them from everything they know. Take them away from their family. Take them away from at least some of the godly influences they had. Take them to a foreign land who wants nothing to do with God. And he wants to indoctrinate them. He wants to change them. Why? Why does he want to do all these things? Because he knew that he couldn't conquer all of God's people. As mighty and powerful his army was, he wasn't going to be able to conquer them all. So what is he going to do? He'll convert them one at a time. And if I can take these young people, the ones that control the future and convert them, then I control the next generation and the next generation. Before you know it, there's no Christians left. There's none of God's people. I heard Adrian Rogers say we're only one generation away. It's so much of a reality today. And that's exactly what the devil's doing. He's trying to go after your kids, parents. Now, I want you to notice something he does, and it's very smart on his behalf, King Nebuchadnezzar. In verse 4, it says he takes the young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand who had ability to serve in the king's palace. Now, me and David talked about this, and he said, yeah, he didn't take the average Joe's like me and you. But when I left, I was like, talk, talk about yourself, David. I'm pretty good looking. But he doesn't just take the average, ordinary, poor people who had no influence. He's like, I want to take the, people, the popular kids from school. I want the ones who are who excel in academics, who are the sports stars. I want the ones who are football and playing baseball and all of these kids, whether it's hunting, whoever has an influence and a following, an Instagram following or Facebook following, the ones who have more friends, ones who are beautiful. That's the ones that I want to take into the land of exile and I want to convert them because they can influence their peers. That's what his plan was. Why? Well, because I believe that he knew that he could never conquer all of God's people. So he thought, well, when I go back to besiege him, I'll take these with me. And then they can declare to all of their peers, all of their classmates, all of their family members, just how good it is in Babylon. See, 
King Nebuchadnezzar could have taken these people captive, took them over to Babylon, and treated them like dirt. Made them slaves like the Egyptian king did. Right? And make them serve him. And make no mistake, Scripture says that he wanted servants. But here's the thing. Just how God imitate, or how the devil wants to imitate God, God gives man free will to serve him and to worship him. The devil wants you to worship him willingly. He doesn't want to force you. He wants you to willingly come to him and bow down and worship him. See, he took these young men and these young women from Babylon or from Judah to Babylon and he treated them great. Scripture says, we'll look in verse 5, that the king had appointed them daily provisions of all of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he had drank and three years of training for them. You see, back in the ancient time, the royalty ate totally different than just your average person. And so these young men, you can imagine, they got to eat in the king's palace. Everything that the king had, they had at their disposal. Matter of fact, they're Jewish. There was a lot of commands that God had given their people for many years that they shouldn't partake in certain foods. Why? Because it was one thing they were supposed to stand out among all the people. Plus, there was probably health benefits. And God wanted the best from them. But what King Nebuchadnezzar said, said, all them rules, all that stuff growing up in the temple, listening to your parents say, you can't have this, you can't have that, it's bad for you. Nobody's here going to hold you accountable anymore. Have everything that you want. Have all the food you want. Anything you want to indulge in. He went after the desires of their flesh. Anything you want here goes. Could you imagine being a young man? I mean, put yourself in Daniel's shoes here. He's led from people who are trying to influence him towards God. But they give him because they love him. They give him regulations. They give him rules. They they try to protect him. But now he's led against his own will. But he's led over to the enemy side where his parents and where God's word had told him that these people are evil. They're wicked. They want nothing good for you. Yet this king's given him everything he ever desired. He's prospering. He has position. He's living in a mansion. The king's palace. Matter of fact, they're going to send him to school and give him a college education for three years free. Sounds like something we have today, right? Everybody needs a free education. Nothing comes free, sadly. I done got way off my notes. No idea where I'm at. You have to understand... That in all of this, behind the scenes working was the devil. And he wanted to destroy God's people. And he would do that through the youth. 
again, he didn't treat them bad. It seemed to be good. And so I want you kids to understand not everything that seems to be good comes from God. A lot of times these things that our flesh goes after, these things that seems good, in the end are disaster and destruction. And that's ultimately what he wanted. King Nebuchadnezzar didn't care about these men. Matter of fact, it says in Scripture that, that he wanted them to serve him. But he wanted them to willingly do it. To think he was, he was now, he would be their God. Now, I want you to know how he would do it. How could he convince these people, these young people who he took away from their families, how would he convince them that he was good and their parents or their people, their land, their God was powerless, that there was a lie? That they had lied to you. They're just wanting to keep you from what all the world has to offer. Because after all, we're prospering and they're not. We're free and they're bound. Sounds like what the world's trying to tell people today. Amen. Number one way King Nebuchadnezzar would do it. I want you to look in verse back in verse 4. He would get these young, good-looking people, gifted in all wisdom, possess, possessing knowledge, quick to understand. They were smart kids. They had a bright future, right? Their parents had great plans for them. King Nebuchadnezzar had other plans. And it says, he would teach them the language, the literature of the Chaldeans. What he was saying was, Come into our schools and let us teach you truth. That truth isn't defined by one supreme being, but truth is what you make it. Let us define who you are. See, he would educate them with a secular education. Get them away from the godly education and what the church was trying to do, what they were trying to do in the temple, and what their parents was trying to instill in them. Take you away from that, and I want to indoctrinate you with secular education. He wanted them to embrace the culture, the Babylonian way. The second way he wanted you was by... Again, giving them everything that they ever desired or wanted. No more rules, no more regulations. You can do whatever you want to do here in the land of Babylon. It sounds like the United States of America. Maybe not in every regard, but in many ways. And this, I think, is the most relevant. Thirdly, he wants to change their identity. Look in verse 5 or verse 6. It says, Now from those or among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So there's four young men. 
that stood out in this crowd that went from Judah to being in exile in Babylon. But I want you to notice what the king does. To them, the chief of the eunuchs, under Nebuchadnezzar's command, gave names. So they already had names. But he wants to rename them. He's going to give them a new identity. To Daniel, he gave the name Belteshazzar or Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego or Abednego. Now I want you to, there, there is a reason for this. Daniel's name actually meant God is my judge. The one true God. The God of Israel. The God of his forefathers. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And his name meant something. There was meaning to name back then. Nebuchadnezzar would want to change his name to Belteshazzar, Belteshazzar, which means Baal's or Baal's prince. See, he didn't want him to identify with the one true God anymore and that, that God was his judge. But he says, you're going to be now Baal's prince. Who are you going to be, Daniel? The man who identifies that he has a judge, one true God? Or are you going to be a prince of a false god? Hananiah meant Yahweh has been gracious. Shadrach means, whom they changed his name to, under the command of Aku. Or Aku. Under the command of a false god or idol. Under the command of, I would put it into money. You're being controlled now by your flesh. Mishael means who is as God, meaning there is none other like God. Meshach meant who is like Aku, again, a false God. See, he wants, he wants nothing to do. He doesn't want them to identify at all. Erase everything that you had learned from your parents. Erase everything that the temple, that God's word had said about you. The identity who God says you are and let us define who you are. Sadly, in the United States of America, we see the same thing happening today. They want to change the kid's identity. Now, you can no longer even have to be male or female. You can identify with whatever, whoever you want to be. It's the same thing that was happening years ago. The devil has no new tricks. Let us give you your identity. We see that happen sadly today in the United States of America. They wanted to completely destroy anything that they had learned previously in the 13 to 16 years. Now you're out on your own and we're going to identify who you are. We're going to tell you who you are. We're going to tell you the meaning that you have. And we're going to lavish you. We're going to give you everything you want. So that you can ultimately become my servants. And go back and influence the rest of your peers. That was his plan. You know the crazy thing about Daniel is. Is Daniel 
seems to go along with a lot of the things that's happening. I mean, after all, he didn't have a choice. If he would have revolted or, what's the word, rebelled, he might have had his throat cut. So he goes along. He's, he's, he has no choice to go along to Babylon. And you see, Daniel, he doesn't even necessarily, that we know of, rejects that they changed his name. Why is that? Well, I think Daniel knew who he was. Call me whatever you want. I know who I am. I know who God says I am. And I'm a child of the one true king. You can call me what you want. Even when you see them try to teach him false things, I think he was like, teach me what you want. I'm rooted and grounded in God's word. But when it comes to partaking in the king's delicacies, I want you to look at what Daniel says in verse 8. But Daniel... What it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. So Daniel draws a line here. And this word defile, he says, I'm not going to defile myself with these things. The word defile is, is a religious word, which basically means to pollute or to stain. This Daniel wasn't making a stand saying, that this was a mere, merely a physical reason why he wasn't going to partake in it. Right? He didn't pull out and say, well, I'm allergic to this type of food, so I can't eat it. i got to be on a certain diet. I can, I can only you know, be vegan or vegetarian because I'm allergic to meat or I'm lactose intolerant. He didn't say none of that. He let them know that it, this was a spiritual thing. I'm not going to defile myself with sin in my life. I'm not going to disobey, willingly disobey God's word because I know what his word says. You can do what you want to do. You can call me what you want to call me. But I'm not going to partake in these things. And the reasons why may have been, well, practical reasons that it wasn't kosher. That means it, it didn't apply to his or, or go by the rules that had been set, the laws of God. He knew that he wasn't supposed to partake in certain types of foods. Or maybe it was prepared in a way that wasn't kosher. Where in the ancient days, and especially in Babylon, that, that meat, that they was offered up to sacrifice to idols. And he knew that. He's like, I'm not going to partake in that. But Daniel also knew that eating it was a form of embracing the Babylonian culture. It was identifying, it was fellowship with sin. And I'm not going to have fellowship with sin as a believer in Christ. See, we all fall and we all fail to sin from time to time. But identifying and fellowshipping with sin, living a lifestyle of it, doesn't exist in the life of a believer. At least it shouldn't. And Daniel said, I'm drawing the line. Do what you want to do to me, but I'm drawing the line here. I'm not going to disobey God's word. Now, Daniel had every excuse or every reason that he could have come up with why he could have just went along with what everybody else was doing. I mean, if you put yourself in his shoes, can you imagine? I'm not, if you ever watch this movie, watch it on VidAngel or something, but you ever seen Red Dawn? Or just, you know, the movie where they just go out, and I mean, someone's invading, another country's invading, and 
Can you imagine that happening? That's basically what's taking place. And now they take you captive and they take you back to your land and you're a young kid away from your parents. And everybody else that's there with you, people maybe you know, they're all going along with whatever this king's telling them can do. They're all indulging in it. Now, man, this is great. Mom said pork wasn't any good, but man, these pork chops are the lick. That's what was taking place. Everybody else, he could have said, I'm just going to go along with it because everybody else is doing it. And I don't want to stand out in a crowd. See, Christians do that today where we don't mind identifying with God. We don't mind, mind identifying being a Christian in church with other Christians. But when we go out in public in the schools or in our workplace and something happens where it's going to require action upon your belief or your profession of faith where everybody else is going along with something that's immoral. Everybody else is going along with something that's going against God's word and you have to be the only one or the only few that's... I got a problem with that. See, none of us wants to do that because then we're labeled as problem makers, right? Or rebellious. And Daniel could have said, I'm just going to go along with the flow. I don't, because there could be severe consequences for standing out on Daniel's back. And, and I'm telling you today that if you stand for God, there may be severe consequences. You might get fired from your job. You might be labeled a problem child if you're doing that in school. But I will show you that as Daniel made this stand, God blessed him in it and he will bless you too. If you look in verse 9, it says, Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. God always provides a way out. You know that scripture that says God will not tempt you above what... You can handle, but in that, he provides a way out or a way of escape. See, God had allowed Daniel to become friends or have favor with one of his chief captains, one of the, his enemies. He had befriended him. God had done that. And Daniel, when he makes his protest, I want you to notice the methods and the ways he does it is it says he requested... And then at one point he even says, please test me on this. Daniel took full responsibility, see, because the other guy says, look, I fear the king. And if, if, if the king sees that y'all are looking poorly because you're not eating his food, it could cost me my life. And Daniel's like, dude, I understand. And I don't want you to get in trouble for me making a stand. I'll take all the responsibility. I'll assume all the responsibility. But I'm begging you in a nice, mannerly, or what's the word I'm looking for? Respectful manner to just try us. Just, Just try God's word. Let me show you what God's word says. And let me just show you the outcome of it. That God is real. And so he allows him, he's like, look, we're going to be in this program for three years. Test me for ten days, the scripture says. Let us not eat this. Just give us vegetables and water. Now, I'm, I don't believe I'm big into health and, and diets and fitness. And Listen, I ain't eating just vegetables and water. 
And I don't think the Bible's telling you to do that either. Because it was only ten days, right? This was a supernatural thing that God was doing here. You can eat vegetables and water for ten days, and it actually says that they got fatter than the people that was eating all the meat. I don't think if you eat vegetables and water biologically or physically that you're going to get fatter. And see, back then, fatness was a sign of health back then. Boy, have we changed. Amen? Some of y'all are real healthy. But God supernaturally blessed Daniel's stand. He brought favor. Daniel's method by standing for God wasn't a protest. And it's a, man, you Babylonians and your food, I hope you all burn in hell. He didn't do that. He says, hey, I don't want you to be in trouble. But I want you to just watch my lifestyle. I want you to just test my God. I want you to just... Allow me to obey God's word, and I want you to see the results. And if, and if God isn't real, then, hey, we'll, we'll do what you say. But if he is, and you see that we look better, that God's ways are better, then you may know and understand why we live this way. See, it's important for us to do it with, with respect to others. See, we don't have to go around hateful, making protests. Daniel did it in a respectful way. And God honored that. And actually, he earned respect among his peers. You know, I remember a lot of times we think that if we stand up for God, especially kids, a lot of times you think, man, people are going to label us if we stand for truth, if we, we don't go along with the flow, what everybody else is doing. And, and you expect that people are going to lash out at you and they're going to be hateful to you. But but just like you see, Daniel, a lot of times when you make a stand for, for what you believe in, You'll earn respect among your peers. You know, I remember a, a year or two ago, we went to, I don't know if you've ever seen kid, these people on YouTube called Dude Perfect. But they're a bunch of dudes that made millions of dollars being idiots. But they they go around now, they, they have a tour where they, where they act like idiots and, and you pay them to do it. But in that... There was a stadium filled with thousands of people, and we took our kids to see them. And, and these people are Christians. But they're not real bold about it. They don't make a lot of statements about it. But they don't cuss. They're really clean-acting people. And so we took our kids to, to see them. And there were, this stadium is filled with thousands of people from all over the place. All different walks of life. They just had their kids there who love Dude Perfect, Right? They're not known for being just Christian people. They're just known for making trick shots and all kinds of cool stuff. And there was all sorts of different people in there. And at the end of this show that lasted a few hours, one of the main guys there, his name was Tyler, he got up and he said, and I don't remember the exact words, but he says, hey, my intent here is not to offend anyone. He did it in a respectful manner. He said, but I feel like God has blessed us and gave us this platform to declare his name. And I don't know what your belief is, him, but as for all of us, we believe in Jesus. And he presented the gospel right there to thousands of people. I mean, thousands. No, there's no way everybody in there was saved. But at the end of him preaching the gospel, standing for what was, tr- for what was true, the whole stadium erupted in cheers. Everybody in there went crazy and lost their mind because this one dude stood for something he believed in. A lot of times you'll find that when if you'll just make that stand, God 
will bring favor among the people around you. The ones you're making a stand against sometimes, especially if you do it in this manner. And my final point, I'll close with this here in just a second, is the blessing in Daniel's uncompromising stand. I want you to look in verse 15. At the end of the ten days, after Daniel tested God's word and found that it was true, it says at the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all of the young men who ate at the portion of the king's delicacies. God blessed Daniel and his friends with better health. Supernaturally. And I'm here to tell you, if you follow God's word, he's going to bless you. A lot of times he will give you even better physical health. Maybe not even just physically, but spiritually. If you follow his word. There is blessing. See, a lot of times as kids we're like, what's the point? I mean, I'm already saved, or why should I follow these rules? Why should I follow God's Word? Because there's blessing in it. It's not just about when you get older and say, hey, you're going to see blessing in your marriage, because you're not married, you're not concerned about that. Are you concerned about your health? Because God blessed their health. He'll bless yours. Verse 16, it says, And thus the stewards took away their portion of the delicacies and the wine that were they were drinking and gave them vegetables. That wasn't just them. That was the rest of the people. All of the other ones in the king's palace there who were partaking of all of that stuff, when they saw that Daniel and his friends were actually better, the king's like, he's like, okay, we're going to take all away this stuff. They influenced others around them. God allowed their stand to influence their friends and the ones that are around them. If you make a stand for God, you impact not only you and your closest friends, but ones all around you. What a blessing that is. Verse 17, he says, He blessed them with knowledge and skill. He gave them better minds. God allowed them to become smarter, better than the others. I mean... Do you want to stand out? It says actually that he gave them greater abilities and skills. That when the king interviewed them, they were ten times greater than anyone else there. You want to be the star athlete? Follow God. He'll bless you. You want to stand out? Follow God. Obey his words. God will give you the skill and the ability if you'll just stand for Him. God exalted them above others, it says in verse 19. God gave them spiritual blessings in verse 17. He says, Daniel wasn't able to interpret dreams and all these things. He had a greater spiritual relationship with the Lord because of he took a stand. He says, I will not defile myself. And I want to point out this too before I close. Do you think that Daniel purposed in his heart after he went into the king's court and after he was in that situation, after he looked at all that food, after he was around everybody else and said, I'll make my decision now based off emotions. I'm not going to have that. No, he purposed in his heart beforehand. He says, I'm not going to defile myself in that relationship with that other person beforehand. 
If you wait until you get into that situation when it's all hot and heavy, you're going to fail every time. You have to purpose in your heart beforehand. And that's what Daniel did, and God blessed it along. And here's another thing. Daniel wasn't actually alone. There was three other guys with him who were there with him throughout that whole time. They stood with him. You know, there was one part in Scripture where one of the prophets actually thought he was the only dude standing for, for, standing for the Lord, but the Lord reminded him, he's like, no, i got other people. i got even more than you think. You're not going to be alone. Just stand. Even when it, you seem to be alone and nobody else is doing it, you take that stand, and I'm going to bring others there beside you to encourage you and to lift you up. Amen? Now, in closing, I'll close with this. One thing that is for sure about Daniel and his friends is they did not say later. We'll do this later. See, many Christians today, not many of us will say, well, we never want to serve God more. Not many of us will say that. We'll, not many of us will say, we, we're never going to make a stand. But oftentimes, what, the lie of the devil, what he does is say, you, he doesn't mind if you come to church. He doesn't mind if you identify with this. He said, just don't do it right now. Don't make that stand. Do it later. See, when, when I graduate, then I'm going to take God serious. Or when my, wait, when my kids, man, you don't understand, I'm busy right now, but when my kids get out of the house, then I'm going to serve the Lord. And we just believe the lie. Daniel did not say later. Daniel said, the time is now and I'm going to make a stand. And if there was ever any time in history when Christians needed to make a stand, it's now. And I'm here to tell you the Bible says that if today is the day of salvation, that we are closer to the return of Jesus than we've ever been before. It doesn't matter what time you think he's coming back. We're closer today than he's ever been. And if you have not committed your life to him, if you have not surrendered to him and made him Lord of your life, if you had not trusted in the gospel and the shed blood of Jesus Christ, then I beg you, today is the day. Don't wait. Amen? Commit your life to him. Stand for truth and watch him bless your life. If you would, stand with me. Lord, I love you and I praise you, God. I just I pray that We know that Daniel was not a perfect man, neither was his friends, Lord, but you lived that perfect life for us. And in this, I pray that we see you over anything, Lord, that that you purpose in your heart that you would live a sinless life for us, that you could forgive us and die on the cross for our sins, Lord, when we were undeserving people, and that you've given these examples, Lord. And I know that if you can use someone like Daniel, you can use someone like me, you can use someone like every one of us here, Lord, and that you have a plan and a purpose, Lord. I pray that we don't ever allow the world to define who we are, but we look on to you for our purpose, Lord. I lift your name up, Lord. I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, that you would save them this morning. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.